Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on today's episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Yes, famed from the 18 and 1900s. Um, so a little bit of a historical show here on Wandering DMs today, except that they're breaking down the doors of Magic the Gathering players at the behest of Wizards of the Coast in the last week. So we'll be talking about that, probably blowing some of our minds that they still exist. So we'll be talking about that and other gaffes of major game companies and why they come to pass today on Wandering DMs. You know, before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone that, as always, immediately after the show, we will be hosting our after-party chat for our patrons. Uh, so that is a uh, private uh, video chat that is live on our Discord server, uh, our private Discord server that is accessible to all our patrons. Uh, if you would like to join in on that, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash wanderingdms. Uh, become a patron at any level, and you'll get access. And uh, we'll be there in about an hour. We look forward to that every week. And of course, every one of our tier levels uh, uh, gives access to our Discord server where we have conversations happening all the time. And today's example is really great because our patrons, uh, you know, um, uh, put us on notice about uh, the gaming news story in the last week, which generated this show topic. And uh, I guess, Paul, you, you, told me that, that this was happening a couple of days ago. And I have been laughing on and off for all weekend long at how amazing and crazy this story is. So big, big thanks to our yeah. patrons like Ash and Hobo Ogre and people that pointed out this story to us because I never, when you first told me this, Paul, you said, did you see the story about the Pinkertons? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, now that, that name rings a particular bell for me obviously it can't have anything to do with the gaming community so this must be an adventure or the name of a creator that's come up or something like that and no it's the actual pinkerton detective agency from the 1800s uh actually forcing their way into people's houses today over magic the gathering cards so yeah so um <laughs> so this this came to me through a lot of people sending me clips from other youtubers or TikTokers or et cetera who are talking about this uh, i'm sure you know just quickly google wizards of the coast and pinkertons and you'll find information but just to give it a very high level for anyone who isn't isn't aware um apparently there was a youtuber who was accidentally through a, a shipping error sent some uh magic the gathering cards that were not yet supposed to be released to the public uh uh, that YouTuber recorded themselves opening the box and kind of showing the cards. And uh, the response from Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, uh, was that's our stolen property and we need to reclaim it. And so they sent the Pinkertons to this YouTuber's house to reclaim their stolen property. Um, basically showed up at the YouTuber's house. Uh, you know, a bunch of, bunch of big, strong-armed goons came, banged on the door and said... Give us back our stolen goods, and and made threats like jail time threats, like yep. like real like real serious, scary sounding stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to call the handed over the we're cards. Gonna, we're going to sue you for hundreds of thousands of dollars, according to the mm -hmm. 
the YouTuber um, uh, did actually force the door open on his wife initially, I guess. So I would be yeah. scared at that. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty scary stuff. I believe that the response from Wizards has been to apologize and offer uh, other product, I guess, in compensation. Um, but uh, anyway, our our goal here is not to 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 cover the the entire news story. Obviously, it's all over the place on the internet. Please, you know, if you don't don't have the context, I will say the, that the the, um, the link. The the link that um, that Ash initially shared with us is uh, one or two <laughs> news stories at uh, Gizmodo.com, and they're and they're written by friend of the show Linda Cadega, who we had on in January, who broke the story of <sighs> Wizards' last <laughs> major PR screw up over retracting the OGL and then and then reversing course on that. I think that was the last major one. Um, yeah. So yeah. big again, big I, kudos I, to. To Linda for telling us about this stuff. I mean, that's you know, this the story is amusing to us, of course, Dan, because we spent like four episodes at the beginning of the season talking about their latest PR gaffe, right? So, like, right. oh my gosh, how is Wizards in hot water again? It's crazy, right? Um, but my favorite part of the story is is everyone I've told it to. The general response, the first response is the Pinkerton still exist. Like everyone seems to be surprised by the fact that this detective agency that we all associate with like Wild West times and like, you know, I'm pretty sure the Pinkertons were involved in, I don't know, Jesse James or, or uh, yep. Billy the Kid or something like that, right? One of those, yep. one of those yep. stories. I'll tell you what, yeah. my knowledge, all my knowledge of the Pinkertons, who they are <laughs> and, and what they did comes from this book, uh, this, this classic Deadlands, <laughs> which I ran in the 90s. <laughs> Which is, of course, a Wild West RPG. Uh, we, we did an episode on Wild West RPGs a while back. You can go check that out. Um, that's how I learned about the Pinkertons. I, I don't know. <laughs> so you're telling me that there's actually like a player class in there? It's like you're an ex-Pinkerton agent? It's like one of the main classes or something like that? <laughs> there you go. There it is. You, you can be a Pinkerton. Yep. Absolutely. Of course you can. <laughs> Now the Pinkertons are not that cool. That illustrate uh, that illustration is false advertising, but I really don't feel. I feel like the Pinkerton agents wish they were that cool. I mean, okay. So keep in mind that the the, the storyline and oh my gosh, you know, twenty year old spoilers here for for an RPG that came out uh, in the nineties. Um, uh, the the storyline of Deadlands is basically historic up until the Wild West, and then a whole bunch of supernatural stuff starts happening. Right. Um. The, the just the the quote. From the Pinkerton archetype is the truth is out there, and I'm going to keep it from you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so what do I know about the Pinkertons? According according to this lore, I, I know that they're enemies with the Texas Rangers. I think that's just this lore. I don't think that's a historic fact. I think it's something to do with the way things unrolled in Deadlands. But yeah, they were detective agency, and so of course they're being hired by the. The northerners to go investigate the weird supernatural crap that's going on but also to suppress it to suppress that information so i okay so i knew the pinkerton still existed right and the uh, so i and and the thing is is that i feel that um so so historically um you know they they first came to to fame as the protectors of Abraham Lincoln, right is actually how they became supposedly they initially they they foiled an early assassination attempt before Lincoln became president and he was and, and they were his private security all through um, his administration, <clears throat> concluding with 
an epic failure to protect him from an assassination, obviously. So that, that's item <laughs> yeah. number one in the 1800s. And then I think most of us know them as legendary union busters in the 1890s, early 1900s type. So, so I think most of the news and history we know about Pickertons is like really nasty, violent, cruel, uh, you know, union busters over the years. Yeah. And I feel yeah. that about every five years to this day, it's almost like someone <laughs> in Pinkerton PR is has a calendar and says, we need another, we need to get in the news again so people don't forget about the Pinkerton agency. And I feel like within the last five years, they've gone, they've busted up like uh, oil pipeline protesters, just coming out of my memory is what comes out. So I feel like about every five years, I see the Pinkertons show up. I knew they still existed. Um, and... Uh, I guess, and this is this is this is how they put people on notice that they're you can still hire. My, my favorite thing, Dan, about talking talking this about this issue with you was, uh, you know, I think one of your early reactions is is part of why the Pink, it's so surprising that the Pinkertons exist is is how has how have they not been sued out of existence yet? Right? How how has that not happened? Or at least right. been forced to change their name because of the PR nightmare of what they're associated with. Right. Right. But maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's not a nightmare. Maybe it's good PR that this is what they want to stand for and how they want to be known. Yep. You need hired goons. We're here. I think Barbara. so. I really think so. <laughs> Now, Ash, in the, in the in in the chat right now, uh, just put up. Well, they might have like so. The Pinkertons and the the Rangers might actually have become uh, enemies at a later time because Congress passed the Anti Pinkerton Act that uh, forbade um, uh, what's the whole the whole thing that that uh, forbade the feds from I guess the feds from hiring the Pinkertons. I think is what that is. Um, right. I think I think I, I feel like that act says something like you can't hire these kinds of enforcement agents, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then it specifically right. names the Pinkertons as an example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so here's, this is how confusing this story gets. Right. Is I go to read up on these articles and I go to read up on the, on this this stuff. And among in, in Linda Cadega's first article at Gizmodo this week. Right. Bre they briefly reference. This is this is how confusing this is, right? They briefly reference uh, Pinkerton's previously involved in the Battle of Blair Mountain, and okay, so I'm like, all right, that's that's a game, right? That's that's so there's there's like a, a role playing adventure called the Battle or a board game called the Battle of Blair Mountain that they previously like protected or investigated, like, well, no. That's an act. That one's an actual, real-world, actual thing that happened in West Virginia in 1921. There was an actual battle of Blair Mountain between union union protesters and company agents, including Pinkerton detectives, that that culminated in, in an actual battle with machine guns on both sides. Apparently, over a million rounds of of gunfire were exchanged, and 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 it and it didn't stop until. The the arm the federal army came in to break up the two sides, um, so I'm like that can't that can't be real, but that was actually real, and that's the per is the, I mean is that not the perfect name for an adventure? Is that not the perfect name for like your next Lord of the Rings movie, the Battle of Blair Mountain? <laughs> How is that a real thing? I mean, it doesn't help that all this is in the context of a company 
that's known for making adventure RPG products. And a lot of great RPG designers and not so great ones, such as myself, uh, like to base our content on real world things because real world stuff is crazy, right? Crazy stuff happens. And, and what better to write your content on than something that actually happened? Yeah. You would, I mean, so many of these things you would just simply not believe. I mean, I, it's still hard to believe even though they were real. You know, okay, just a little side note here. So that, you know, the YouTuber that the, the fairly, you know, small time YouTuber, but, you know, frankly, about our level, frankly, um, uh, who is the, you know, the subject slash victim of this, this whole story, uh, their handle on YouTube is old school MTG, right? MTG Magic the Gathering course. And uh, their actual name is, uh, is Dan Cannon. Now, just as a little side point, if my real name was Dan Cannon, I would brand my channel as that because that's an amazing name. A <laughs> 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 little, little free YouTube advice there for our friends. You've got the perfect, you've got the perfect name. Take that. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Oh so in the chat, okay, we're, cur I, we're currently discussing the text of the actual anti-Pinkerton law currently. So thank you. Any any lawyers, feel free to jump into our, our live chat at the moment and discuss the the wording of the, the anti-Pinkerton statute that apparently is on the books. Um, so, so, Dan, I think one of the reasons you and I wanted to talk about this is because... Um, you know, one of the big questions here is like, why? Why would they react in this way, right? Like, oh no, we made a shipping mistake and our answer is to send hired goons to an individual's home to bang down the door. That just seems like absolute craziness. And you and I have a little context for this having worked in the video game industry, which is adjacent. Um, you know, I think anything in the entertainment industry in general, our experience, your my experience at least, has been that they love to be super secretive about new projects. I would say every video game I've ever worked on is usually guarded by NDA. I'm forbidden from talking about it. And there's a lot of pressure around from the marketing department of do not let any information about this out until we can carefully release the crafted, exciting announcement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the irony is, in my personal experience, they usually flub it. <laughs> <laughs> right, it usually it lands with a wet thud, and they go, "Well, we try." Right, but like, yeah, I yeah, think that I'm, I'm used to companies guarding guarding their secrets like this very carefully. Yeah, when I was, uh, you know, in in the '90s, uh, my first uh, game job was at a, it was a company called Papyrus Racing, uh, which made uh, NASCAR racing games for PCs and other platforms, uh, um, IndyCar, uh, Grand, you know, Grand Prix games like that. And yeah, there was a kind of late era. Um, in some ways, it was a great place to work and kind of in a late era when things got a little bit more tense, I would say. At some point, there were a couple leaks about what we were working on for the next edition. And the, you know, the then CEO came around and kind of quasi threatened everybody on the premises about, you know, if, if we find out who you are, you can be fired. And it's really important that you not do this and all that kind of stuff. And did it make much difference? I don't think so. Yeah. And it's and it's yeah, one of those things fine. whereby, yeah. you know, once again, you have one person working for salary at the company, uh, you know, in in marketing, and they 
Free, does that can they hold a candle to someone who's really actually passionate about the game as like part of their life? Um, you know, sometimes they would have been better off with a person that was really enthusiastic uh, with the game being meaningful to themselves rather than the person doing it for a paycheck. I mean, here's here's a question for you, Dan. All of so, given everything that's that's happened around here. How do you think this will impact the bottom line of the particular Magic the Gathering set in question here? Like you're, you're asking about, would you, will the leak um, uh, reduce it? Is that the, basically the question? Yeah, or yeah, or yeah. And, and not only the leak, but in general, the, the response and all the, all the news coverage around the Pinkertons and et cetera. Like, what do you think the net effect on the bottom line for, for Wizards of the Coast is here? I'm bad at this. Right. This is what I'm what I'm really bad at. I mean, you know, they say they say no press is bad press. So here we are. We've we've never had it. We've never had an episode talking about Magic the Gathering cards before. So, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a net plus possibly. Yeah, I I would say both. I would think that both events would have a positive effect on the bottom line. The the leak. Yeah. Like if they had just let it go and he had just leaked the information, bet that would have increased coverage and more people would have been excited about the set. And now the fact that they've done a horrible job at responding to the leak, I think that's also going to increase their bottom line. I think it's all good. So, ultimately, so I mean the one. I mean, so on the one hand, that's the Streisand effect, right? Is it like your your attempt to squash the leak causes it to get more publicity, and then and then. <laughs> Possibly to add to to multiply a negative by a negative, the more publicity is actually is actually good for you. So I guess if they do enough, if they do an even numbered of screw ups, maybe it winds up being good for them. Maybe I don't know. Uh, Here's here's a fun little piece of news uh, that comes uh, thanks, I believe, to Ash in our Discord server. Um, Wizards has posted. A new job listing two days ago for a director of strategic response communications. That's that's quite a title. Very nice salary yeah. range on this on this job listing. Uh, so clearly a high level position. And um, I'm going to read you one of the lines here because it just delights me. As a member of Wizards communications team, you will partner closely with many cross functional teams to develop impactful, rapid response and crisis communication strategies. Um, and my favorite thing about this is basically what it sounds to me like what they're saying is we're not going to stop doing stupid shit. We just need to hire someone to manage the the rollout and response to the stupid shit we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. We 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 know we're going to have ongoing crises, so we need a crisis management team. That's not a good look. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. they're having issues. <laughs> they're having issues over yeah, at yeah, Hasbro yeah, slash Wizards. You know, so oh, my, you know, my take part part of my take, and and these are all these are all opinions. Is yeah. um, you have you know, it's it's a big company, and you know, one of my theses would be that just the bigger the company gets. <clears throat> The more, the more and more likely it is that you have multiple departments working in uh, ignorance of what somebody else is doing. The old, you know, left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing, working at cross purposes, actually, actually accidentally having opposite goals, 
and then uh, in many cases having uh, consciously intentional uh, turf wars um, as one executive tries to undercut or destroy or sabotage what another office or department or, or um, you know, person is doing. And um, the, the larger the company that I've worked for, the larger the institution, the more likely that's it, that is, and the more likely that just completely psychotic stuff comes out of it. And Hasbro, you know, Wizards part of Hasbro, Hazard's ver Hasbro is very, very large. And I feel like a lot of this can be written off of the, the, the upper executives just literally have no idea what the business is. Just, just simply do not know what the business is at all. And I mean, I some of like the words we get from inside seem to be confirming that kind of that kind of sensibility. I, I feel like we saw a lot of this during the whole OGL nonsense, right? Right. That, right. Um, you know, that, that you had uh, reactions muted, perhaps difficult to quite you know get out there, but reactions from the design department of Wizards of the Coast, where it was clear that the designers of Dungeons and Dragons were not happy with what the marketing mm -hmm. team. Yeah. was pushing out right and and i i think that's yeah i don't know i i think one of the biggest common mistakes that we can make as outsiders looking at a large company is to assume a uniformity of of purpose and of, intent. Yeah. you know of intent right like nope yeah. nope there's a lot of people working at that company and many of them think very differently from each other right yep <clears throat> And our patron, you know, our patron Stephen made a really good point in our in the Discord server this week, and I and I very much sympathize that it's uh, you know as we discuss this, we, he wanted to make sure we didn't make the mistake of making people think that we thought that D and D and Wizards is the same thing, and that's partly a whole secondary tangential conversation, which is important and valuable to have. And you know, when we had, for example, when we had uh, Linda on previously for the OGL thing, and now we're reading their articles about, about the Pinkerton thing now. Um, you know, Linda is in fact most, you know, focused on reporting on wizards. And when I asked, when we had uh, them on before and I asked Linda about, you know, have you thought about how the OGL thing will impact smaller or indie publishers? Linda said, I just haven't followed up on that at all. So I, I think that there's a good, a good on this spectrum, I think there's a good contrast between how truly psychotic a large company can be like Wizards with D&D versus uh, a smaller um, game creator that is not nearly going to have these, the same level of um, uh, just schizophrenia in what they're doing. So we certainly support indie developers and indie creators, and we consider ourselves in that in that same venue. So uh, just because we're ragging on uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, don't think that we're down on D and D or other editions of D and D because that's the thing that we love the most. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, right? In that that as as a as a hobby, as a community, and as a hobby, when we talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Or, you know, there's a lot of other more generic terms we could use, right? Role-playing games, fantasy role-playing games, tabletop role-playing games, whatever you want to call it, TTRPG, etc. Um, but the problem is that doesn't have the level of recognition in the larger uh, social consciousness that Dungeons & Dragons has. Uh, maybe right. as, you know, as fans, uh, uh, you and I, or even amongst our patrons or whatever, like we can certainly draw lines between this is Dungeons & Dragons, that's not Dungeons & Dragons. 
But when you're talking to someone totally outside the hobby who has no idea what you're talking about, my experience usually is if I say, oh, I'm playing a role-playing game tonight, they might look at me and go, what the hell is that? And then I will often follow that up with like, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons. And they go, oh yeah, I know what that is. Right. So unfortunately, you have this case where like the brand name has kind of taken on the meaning or at least the recognition of the overall hobby. And it's and it's gray, frankly. Like and yes. there there's really odd lines, right? Like we we could talk about like, well, if I'm playing swords and wizardry, am I playing Dungeons and Dragons? I mean, technically not, but kind of because it's an emulator, right? It's trying. I don't know. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I, it's it's well put. And, and again, this is one of these conversations that's going on in Discord. And I think it's some really great insights on, on both sides. Uh, well put, the, what you just said, Paul, about it being in a gray zone. Um, and, you know, if you go to Wikipedia and you look up the, the, um, the article on genericized trademarks, there are some, right, historically, there are some trademarks that have had this transition is initially they were trademarked branding. And there are some things that have switched to become generic terms. Um, you know, as a couple examples, like aspirin, aspirin, mm -hmm. even even now in, in, in some countries is a, a trademark of Bayer. In the US, aspirin is, is not trademarked and it's a generic term, but even today that varies by country. Um, you know, things like escalator and videotape were initially trademark terms. Dry ice it was initially a, trade, yeah. a company's name um, and, and on and on. There are, and, and so clearly if you have some things that are clearly trademarked and other things that aren't, there's there's this continuum where things are some things are at least moving from one end to the other, and you know there's been debates in the past about things like Xerox. People, you know, we used to use Xerox as a verb. I'm I'm going to go Xerox something, um, or Kleenex or things like that. So where so I agree, D and D is 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 clearly somewhere in the middle yeah. of this of this continuum between pure purely one single product and some kind of generic thing. Um, and that's, that's kind of a, sometimes an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it raises the question in this case, right. Of, of what, you know, in this particular case, this response from wizards of the coast to send the Pinkertons to someone's house, are they damaging the good name of wizards of the coast? Are they damaging the good name of the hobby at large of dungeons and dragons of right? Like what, what is the impact here? What, what, what are they hurting? What, what are they, you know, helping? If they're helping yeah. something. It's know. funny because I think <laughs> it's a good point that when I'm in larger society, when I'm not in a gaming context, um, I definitely, it's, I, I will definitely do, I will definitely use a phrase like role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, if you know what they are and yeah. be kind of comfortable with that. And then if I'm at a gaming convention, I will say that I have had felt uncomfortable i have seen one or two game runners at conventions that proudly said i advertise uh the game that i'm running as D D, and it's totally not and isn't that funny because i get players at my table and then i force on a, a different game system <laughs> on them and they don't have a choice at that mm. point and i think that's great mm. and i'm like mm. that i i yeah, that's cringy to me 
Um, that's that's a so lot. I would, that's a lot. Right. I would prefer I, you not list D and D in your game listing at a convention and then pull out a different system. That's mm, troubling. You know, I personally kind of ran into this problem in a, a, a horror scenario that I run for Fearful Ends, which is the the brand name of the game system that I wrote that I'm running, fearfulends.com. Um, <clears throat> that um, you know, usually when you're listing a game at a convention, you have one line for a title. What is the title of this game? And the scenario that I was running was specifically set in the 80s around the emergence, or, you know, sort of with themes of the satanic panic around the emergence of this new role-playing game that everybody was worried about. And you play characters who are investigating disappearances of people who play this game. And so I wanted to title the adventure Dungeons and Dragons. And I thought if I put a listing in a convention, you know, calendar that just whose title is just Dungeons and Dragons. That's going to be confusing as hell to anyone who reads it. They are not going to know what I'm talking about. So I renamed it. I named it something totally different uh, because I was like, that's, that's, that's not going to fly. <laughs> People are not going to know what that means. <laughs> what did you call that game originally when we played it in-house? Is that what you called it? I, w I never named it. I, like The thought crossed my mind mm. to name it Dungeons & Dragons, and I okay. never did. And ultimate, gotcha. Ultimately, I named it Mazes & Monsters which yep. is the name of a novel uh, written by someone during that period about the, you know, about the era of the satanic panic. So it, it's a nice, yeah. it's a nod to that. And then within the game, I, I call the, sometimes I, depending on the audience, sometimes I call the game they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and sometimes I call it Mises and Monsters, depending on how worried I am about copyright lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to riff like just a little bit on, um, you know, the, 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 big company thesis in a couple, a couple minutes ago uh, in the chat, William, uh, recalled the, uh, Apple, uh, iPhone, um, issues in the past. Let me throw this up here. Uh, so William was, was recalling, uh, the, the leak iPhone uh, 10 years ago, where someone lost a, a prototype iPhone. And then again, they sent, Apple sent investigators to go threaten and, and retrieve it. And it's interesting William says that because just um, three days ago, uh, there was an article on a couple different news services about um, uh, Apple at the Apple company, the fact that they haven't been able to make progress in AI on their Siri device because of corporate infighting. And you've got different offices and different departments with different opinions, and they're all actively sabotaging each other over making progress and the engineers can't get data out of the device and you know and then there's you know legitimate issues like we want people to have privacy therefore you can't get any data over how people are using it back and then there's issues like um you know like executives who want all the siri responses to be artisanally written by a, by, a, by a team of human writers of which they have 20 people and every single response needs to be artisanally written, which obviously doesn't scale. So you can't use, they're not permitting them to use procedurally generated responses, which doesn't scale at all. And they also blocked, you know, someone had the idea for a, a bug report, right? A bug report option. And that was blocked because the executives don't want people to think that there's bugs. They want the illusion of a perfect, pristine, completely bulletproof Siri service, we would never have any bugs. Therefore, you can't get feedback on the bugs that do exist. 
Um, and I feel like right. that was really uh, j- just in the last 72 hours that story came out. And that was, to me, really emblematic of the, um, the schizophrenia you have at a big company like that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm chuckling here because I'm reminded of having worked in software, both video games and, and briefly not, not video games for a couple, a couple of years. I did some security software. Um, one thing I can tell you is that the version numbers of software, which we often, we're now used to version numbers, not just being like one, two, three, but like, uh, the many decimal places, maybe, you know, version 10.0.7, right? And like, that sounds very technical and interesting. And what, what drives those numbers? And I can tell you what drives those numbers is marketing, only marketing. It's all BS. Uh, every place I've ever worked, like as much as the engineering department would like there to be technical reasons about what each column of numbers means. I have so many times worked on software where ultimately it was renumbered based on marketing demands. Well, that's use, that's interesting for me to hear because so I mean so as some as someone that hasn't actively worked in, in has not worked in software uh, actively for a number of years, um, so you know that my I, I've researched what's called semantic versioning and I've actually tried to faithfully apply it to my own stuff. So what it, what is used what is used internally for you know lots of engineering departments want those to be you know major minor you know revision yep. whatever of yep. of like yep this is the you know these kinds of change if it's a bug fix we just increment the smallest the third decimal place and then if it's like actually got new features we increment the middle decimal place and if it's like a major revision to the software then we increment the major the, the, the top level version number and that all makes sense and great but uh, like the question is like when you're releasing to the public and you're got and your marketing team gets involved and they're like okay we have a new release coming out the version number difference to them between say 1.05 and 1.5 and 2.0 are huge. And they believe that it means something to the consumer, which it kind of does, right? As a consumer, (laughs) if you saw those three version numbers, you'd make different assumptions and they want to craft it and they want to change it. And I've definitely worked on things that were 1.05 that got bumped up to 1.5 because they thought that was or 1.2. This should technically be version 1.2, but they're like 1.5 feels better. It feels like a bigger oh. jump. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I've worked on I that. Like I've worked that. on that. Oh, gross. You know, or yeah. we, we really want to jump to 2.0 because it's, you know, we can make a bigger splash about it in, in our marketing speech. Yep. For sure. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I guess I, I guess I don't, it's, maybe I don't interface with public facing products enough. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good for me to I hear. Mean, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect something different, honestly. I, I bet it's different for, say, free software, right? For for right. anything that's released that's that's open source. Like, you're probably cooler heads prevail because there is no need yeah. to market. Yeah. <laughs> There's no marketing, right. Right? right? So maybe maybe that has a little more technical reason for it. Or if it's purely an internal module, right? You know, same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I will say, take you know, taking a, a slightly longer view, like, so because my, um, you know, recollection of versioning is that, um, is it, 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 does, it, 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 it the, the whole strategy can't, live more than about five or seven years with a particular marketing company. So as an example, Windows, right? Windows initially was version numbers, like Windows 1 and 2 and 3. And then it switched to dates, like Windows 95 and 98. And then it switched to names, like NT and ME and XP. 
and then it whatever it switched back to numbers right and then it switched back to numbers with seven and eight and then ten and eleven is that's is that how it's gone it's this constant push pull frankly between i think your engineering right. and your marketing department where like i remember people started using words right engineering teams started using words because yeah. they're like look Marketing is just going to change this on us anyway when we release. So we're just going to yeah. make up silly words just so that we can talk about a thing and know what we're talking about. So you have things like OSX that started having names of cats, right? <laughs> are you uh, are you on Panther or Snow Lion or whatever, right? Like they had all these names that was just invented internally by engineers just so that they could call a thing a thing and know what they're talking about. And then somehow this got into marketing or got... In, out into the wild and, and the marketing discovered people think this is cool so let's definitely brand it this way <laughs> it, it's interesting um yeah it's 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 um what do i what does that what does that feel like it feels like something really <laughs> ugly <laughs> um uh yeah weird super super weird Super weird. The, the yeah, whatever the the marketing company attempts to pitch winds up becoming uncool as a result. I mean, <laughs> just as long as I'm bashing marketing teams yeah, here. Please. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, marketing people. Don't mean to be a jerk, but I'm reminded. I was recently watching a GDC talk about a very technical thing for uh, making video games when you're dealing with writers who are writing your dialogue and your narrative and etc. Content. And he had this brilliant line that just, I was absolutely laughing, crying, and I couldn't believe that the audience in the video that I'm watching wasn't also cracking up over this. Uh, he, he was talking about writing tools for your writing team. And he said, like, you know, make sure, you know, that you're, that you're taking care of your writers. Your, your writers are smart people. They know what they're doing. Actually talk to them, find out what their needs are. They're smart people. If they weren't smart, they wouldn't be called a writer. They'd be called something like VP of marketing. <laughs> Ouch! Burn! <laughs> I was like, wow. "Marketing burn!" And I, yeah, and I thought, I wonder what the VP of marketing for the company this guy works for is thinking about. If, but I bet he didn't watch the videos. Screw it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how you can use these observations in your game. And just like Paul said earlier, uh, you know, sometimes uh, using many of our guests have said the same thing: using real-world uh, historical events uh, can introduce really interesting elements in your game. Now, one thing I got to say is that is that tomorrow on my blog on Delta's D and D Hotspot, I have a, 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 a post that I wrote a couple weeks ago. I wrote it maybe at least two weeks ago, called "Consider Chaos." And the fundamental thesis is that people look at, uh, frequently look at classic D&D dungeons and make the criticism of, there's a whole bunch of miscellaneous monsters in rooms that are right next to each other and they don't know what's going on and they don't support each other and they don't respond even if there's a big fight happening in one of the rooms really close by. That is completely unrealistic. That wouldn't happen except that that is exactly what happens in many of our companies. That happens all the time. That happens all the time in offices directly right next to each other having major, major problems. 
and being either in completely oblivious or in direct conflict with somebody 10 feet away from them. So my, I, I, so I have a couple ideas there tomorrow encouraging what does an actual realm of chaos look like? And it frequently looks like a lot of our big corporate offices, frankly. So possibly consider <laughs> some of the craziest things that have worked, that have happened at the institutions and the schools and the companies that you have worked for and inject them into your old school D&D dungeons. And there can be people right next door to each other that, that have no idea who's in the next room over. They just never bothered to ask or they're in direct conflict or they have the secret password that's uh, wrong and it's out of date as of last week. So you get the puzzle or the, or the trick or the, or the key or the password and it just doesn't work because the whole place is just totally chaotic and nobody knows what's going on at any time. And you know what? In some circumstances, that actually is realistic because that's a lot of the world that we live in today. It's, you know, honestly, one of, one of my favorite tropes to, 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 to poke at, I think, in, in D&D uh, I can't, I'm trying to think of an adventure where this actually happens and um, I'm failing, but is to have that case where the players walk into a room and there are two different groups of monsters actively fighting each other. Like in an active combat, it's happening now, right? And then what do you do? You sit back and wait for them to finish? Do you join one side? Like, you know, um, you know where this comes up? Okay, now I'm remembering. Because uh, I did a whole big analysis on Dyson's Delve, which you can find on my blog, paulsgameblog.com. Just search for Dyson's Delve. Um, because I ran that for two years, right, in the in the birthday game. Uh, we, and we streamed one of them, the second half, I think, we streamed. we got um, the whole thing live on our YouTube channel now. There, there you go. There you go. And I did a bunch of research into it because it was, it was this interesting, it's this mini mega dungeon, right? It's a mega dungeon where each level is only like a dozen rooms. And it had... And I was like, I was struggling, I think, with exactly the problem you're saying. I'm like, there's all these different monsters. What are they doing? Who, who, what do they think about each other? I don't know. I feel like I should know the answers to these questions before my players start asking them. And so I did an analysis of like, what are the major factions at play here? I'm like, probably the goblins in rooms five, six, and seven are all, you know, part of the same tribe or something. Whereas there's definite elements in that adventure that I adore where it's like, Hey, a spy from this group in this lower level is up here on this level in this room. And, and, and you end up going like a spy? <laughs> what, how, you know, what, how are these groups relating? Anyway, so I did a whole analysis of that. You can see, uh, oh, thank you, uh, Baki. Baki uh, I never remember how to say your name out loud. Um, posted a link in our chat uh, where you can see where I broke it down into sort of major groups. So that you can kind of figure out, you know, what what the different factions are and how they might interrelate. Um, and we had an amazing time with this, as I recall, is that your your group walked in on a on one group of monsters that was in a major conflict with another group of monsters, and you kind of like allied yourself with one side. And like, you know, it was a great case of like not just murder at the zoo, right? We didn't just come in there and just kill all the monsters. We actually like talked to them and like, oh, you have beef with this other group? Well, maybe we can give mutual aid to each other. And you didn't trust them, right? It wasn't like, hey, we're, we're going to be best friends. You guys are clearly good. I was like, well, we're uneasy. Not sure about this, but, you know, I think we can help each other out. At exactly. least for a little while. And then we'll come exactly. back and kill you later. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was great. That was actually a really great business. You ran it so well. And if someone hasn't seen it, it was a couple of years ago now. Uh, we played through that whole thing. One of our favorite adventures, actually. It is it is on uh, uh, YouTube on our channel as a dedicated playlist. Actually, it's under it's under YouTube Podcasts now. Newly newly branded in the YouTube Podcast system. Um, the entire Dyson's Delve um, and Backways. Thank you for throwing the link in there. That's how I say it. So other other things other things you can do with this and and one of the things that Backwias uh, put in the chat early today actually was uh, the idea of using this whole Pinkerton fiasco as an adventure seed of your parties. What he wrote earlier is your party has been summoned. Do I have that here? Um, earlier on, he said uh, your party's been summoned to the Wizard's Tower by the sea and tasked with retrieving a deck of many things that's fallen to the hands of a commoner. I guess he put that in Discord, right? It's part of our Discord discussions where that was. That's great. Right? That's Absolutely. Great. Oh, There's an adventure lovely. readily made there. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I now mean, you my, were mentioning, Dan, my, I think that, that yeah. yeah, go on. Maybe you're about to say it. Go for it. So my, my personal take, my instant take is uh, running a superheroes game like Marvel Superheroes is having a company that just provides the nameless goons for all the supervillains. Is it? And I'm not. I was looking for this. Like, I feel like that should be a thing that's actually already in Marvel Comics or DC Comics of the company that just provides the nameless goons as a as a hiring service. And it's in Marvel. I feel it's a little bit like Hammer Industries, a little bit run by Justin Hammer. Uh, although most of the most of the supervillains they create actually have names. Um, and I will say again, I've said it before, right? And I'll say it again that one of my favorite characters in the MCU is Sam Rockwell playing Justin Hammer. And I please, please, people at Marvel, make us make a make a Disney Plus series for Justin Hammer and get Sam Rockwell back playing playing that character because he was so good and the character is so good. And that right there is a is a tailor-made Disney Plus series of, of every episode he he creates a new he creates a new low level supervillain and has them go do something stupid um and um uh, a, a lot like pinkertons <laughs> <laughs> I I I adore the idea of 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 that kind of that kind of institution existing and I feel like the the way I always want to twist it is exactly the way that uh, uh uh, posted about the the D and D adventure hook, where the players themselves are working for this institution, right? They're being hired out as goons, and maybe they don't realize right. it right away, and they think like this is just a job, right? This is a fun job, or not a fun job, or it's a job. It'll get us paid, and then they realize like, oh, hey, are we the baddies? <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's a reference. Sorry, it's a reference to a. There's a sketch, an old British sketch by uh, Mitchell and Webb. Where you have a couple Nazis sitting around, uh, realizing like, I think I think we're the bad guys. Are we the bad guys? I thought, I thought we were doing. I we were doing I, I've had my players. There, but... I don't know if my players were quoting that <laughs> sketch, but I've had. I I believe it was Lauren. Uh, it was either Max or Lauren that went. I think we might be the bad guys here, and they actually weren't. It wasn't that they were being sent to do anything. They themselves had stumbled into something. I'm like, oh no, I think we're the. Bad, I think we're the bad guys. I will. Um, I will also point out that uh, Josh is in the chat is reminding me that. 
canonically it's a taskmaster that trains all the goons. That that, that it's weird. You, it's weird. That's the answer because um, the last time I played Marvel superhero with our friends, I'm pretty sure that it was um, that Max said, "I want to play the taskmaster." <laughs> <laughs> Just to cross my streams a couple of times there, and 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 the other thing, the other thing that came to mind is I mentioned this. I mentioned this uh, whole affair to uh, my partner Isabel here just before the show started, and we both started laughing. And Isabel's take was: someone needs to tell a Hasbro that they're a toy company for kids. Have they have they, have they forgotten that you're fundamentally a toy company for kids? Because this is because this is like Santa Claus hiring hiring the Pinkerton goons to go make his naughty list or something like that. So there's your there's your there's your Christmas themed adventure for this year. You know. And and I think a lot of as a lot of folks have pointed out, one of the crazy things about this story, just to bring us back to the beginning here, is that um is that it was their mistake. It was Wizard's mistake. They sent you're right, like they screwed up. This it's not this guy didn't go out there and try to buy unreleased magic cards. They they showed up at his door because they named it horribly, right? The the name of the set is something uh something something aftermath, right? And right, it's, right. It's, it's yeah, got the I, same, almost the exact same name as the set that right. preceded it. So yeah, right. somebody who didn't know what they were doing looked at the box and didn't realize it. It was yeah. for the new set, not the old set, and sent the wrong box. Right. There might be and, there might be a distribution, like a distributor. But I mean, you know, as if I wasn't a complete expert, you know, you could throw, you know, you could throw one game at me called Magic, and another game called called Magic Colon the Gathering, and I would assume it's the same game. <laughs> right. I wouldn't know that, that. I wouldn't know that the the subtitle was really key to d distinguishing two different product lines. Right. So I want that in in this uh, theoretical adventure that we're making. It's not only do you work for this goon squad that's getting hired out, but you realize that the thing you're getting you're being made to do is ultimately to cover up a silly mistake made by in by the company who's hiring you. <laughs> yeah. Please apply excessive force. In this ridiculous situation where we, you know, we don't want to be embarrassed <laughs> that we made a mistake. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, one thing that was pointed oh, out is that they have is that uh, you you said, and it was Linda in the Gizmodo article that said that multiple people at Hasbro are former Pinkerton agents, and so among so this morning, uh, the next thing I started laughing at was the job titles for the security at Hasbro, right? And the the, the, <laughs> the head one is Director Security Risk Management, I think is what it is. And the second in command is global investigations. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what? Hasbro has a has a global investigations? If I what kind of make it make an NPC, make an NPC organization called global investigations and don't think that that doesn't sound intrinsically evil. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and it, it totally doesn't sound like a cover up when it's just an arm of a toy company. <laughs> of a toy company. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You like, can't make I, this stuff. You know, you're, you could, what's yeah. what? You know what's next? My I don't know. My uh, you know my my skateboard company is all, allied with Blackwater to make sure my the real design doesn't leak out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez, <laughs> Lord, people. Oh, <laughs> Rain it in. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Dan, we're, we're, we're almost out of time here. Got any final thoughts on uh, the Pinkertons or uh, their, their use to enforce uh, <laughs> What the bloody hell, really? Bloody hell. I, 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 I'm thankful that, thank you, Pink, you know, Pinkerton agents, if you're watching this, I, I appreciate your company keeping, keeping you in the public mind and not letting us forget about your, your excellent works. Um, and uh, just, it's always something, it's just always something with those guys. So, um, you know, the goon squad is still out there and these things aren't as completely on the things in our games are not as unrealistic as you would possibly think there are actually crazy um semi-crazed uh overlords in various institutions and they have uh bad observations and they do actually hire goons to go <laughs> to go damage people um and yeah dig in dig into that use be confident be confident in your games that these things these things are are um are valid coherent plot points <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah here's 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 an idea to twist this i mean i've been playing a lot with the idea that you work for the goon squad but maybe maybe have an adventure where um some great magic item just shows up at your character's doorstep and it turns out it was sent there by accident and the people who sent it yeah. I've decided to send the goon squad after you to go retrieve it. Yep, yep. Maybe you're just yep. assuming you're a criminal. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of all you could have. That, that's a whole campaign, right? I mean, I feel like that's a whole campaign. I feel like yeah, so some, yeah. so, right? So maybe like, maybe, right, a magic item, right, that maybe, I don't know, maybe you inherited possibly from your, your uncle or something like that. Uh, you don't know exactly where it came from, and there's a bunch of bad, evil guys scouring the countryside well, trying to you know, retrieve I mean, it if, if you want to be if you want to be true to the source here dan you didn't inherit it from your uncle it literally showed up at your door by accident sent to you by the very people yeah. trying to retrieve it okay yeah so, so i hear a slight modification Oops. i hear it slight <laughs> modification and maybe you have to get a whole team together you have to get a whole team together and go on an epic quest to try to like you know destroy it so that the the big bad guy can't use it to dominate oh, <laughs> there's, there's a day's yeah. machina at the end that you managed to survive at the end possibly yeah that's a whole oh, thing oh, call me crazy gosh. call me crazy i feel like yeah i feel like that might that might work possibly <laughs> maybe is, is that is that your argument dan is that these magic the gathering cards wanted to be released onto youtube that they influenced their way across multiple owners to get onto YouTube. <laughs> now, yes, now that's my argument. Yes, it is. Oh goodness! All right. <laughs> well, folks, well, folks, uh, thank you for joining us on this very strange romp today. Uh, if you have any thoughts on further how to how to warp this strange news into an excellent adventure hook, uh, why not leave it for us in the comments? Um, or, or other ways that uh, the existence of a goon squad in the real world or in your game world might uh, impact your gameplay. Uh, leave us a comment in the YouTube video comments here. We'd love to hear from you. And maybe that will uh, supply us with topics for future episodes.
Absolutely. And of course, if you're new to the show, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us, The Wandering Dams. We're on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok and places like that. We've got the handle Wandering Dems on all those sites, so look for us there and subscribe, and you'll get updates for future crazy show ideas that we'll be having. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, uh, you can find those podcasts on our website at wanderingdms.com. Also, there are various podcast carriers such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Uh, if you're listening to us right now on one of those other carriers and uh, they offer the ability to do so, please rate and review uh, our show on that carrier's site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. And of course, big thanks to our patrons who support the show. And if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. Uh, like Paul said at the top of the show, uh, every single tier, even the $1 tier, gets you access to our Discord server where um, the conversation continues and ideas come up like for the show today is where we got that. And we'll be there for our live continued uh, chat uh, in about 10 minutes there for the next hour. Uh, and maybe you've got some, uh, maybe our patrons have some other great ideas that we're, we're looking forward to, to hearing about as we, as we continue that. And we're both, uh, both there today. Um, glad to be back from our busy, um, uh, convention season <clears throat> that happens around April for both of us. So I know that Paul, you were hit a little bit by a little bit of crud issue for your convention this past week. I think you're, I think yeah, you're, you're yeah. looking good to me, Paul. I'm glad that you're recovering. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'm sure a uh, review of this show will uh, hear my barking cough come up and again, time and again, but I'm trying to keep it, keep it back. Uh, hopefully, hopefully as the weather continues to improve, so soon shall my health. Cool. Cool. Glad, glad to have you back. And of course, I will be back on uh, Thursday, uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time for more uh, Pool of Radiance play. I think I'm coming down to the end game. I think I'm actually sort of figuring out how to play the game right around the time that I finish and move on to something else that I'll look incompetent at because I've avoided TPKs. <laughs> and I actually think I avoided any damage at all in the big fight that I had last Thursday, which was astounding and wow. probably just fortunate initiative rolls uh, as well. Um, so that, so that, that felt good. Hopefully, um, hopefully I'll continue on the um, on that trend there. I hope, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then we'll be back uh, next Sunday for more uh, more D and D uh, ish uh, chat um, uh, next Sunday. So don't forget, we are live every Sunday at one p.m. Eastern time. So we really hope that you'll join us next week for another thought provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>